welcome to the first episode of what I hope to be many of the Hippocratic Hope. I'm your host, Beth Farrell. Join me and my friends each week as we discuss real-life strategies to help you cope with the burden of medical and psychological caregiving. So first and foremost, hashtag not a doctor. I did not choose to go into the medical field where I take care of people's physical bodies, but I did choose to become a caregiver of psychological wellness. I wanted to do a podcast for a really long time, but due to family and just having a new baby and starting a new job, I really lacked the motivation I needed to start until the world turned upside down a few weeks ago and we experienced a global pandemic. So that was my prompting motivation. And then I've spent several weeks thinking about who I wanted my audience to be and what my name was going to be and what jingle I was going to have. And the idea came after talking to one of the physicians I highly respect. They notified me by text message that she had just gotten fit for her N95 mask and was ready to get out there. I texted back that I thought she was an adrenaline junkie because who would be excited? Then she said something that probably shouldn't have surprised me, but it made me stop and think. She said, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Beth, I, I am someone who took my oath of being a doctor very seriously which reminded me of the ethical standards that guide my practice every single day. And I thought, that's it. The Hippocratic Hope. So let's get started with today's tips and tricks that I have come up with. I shared these with a couple people and they said they were helpful, so I thought we could start. So in the time when we are waiting for an impending uncertainty, we have basic expectations of maybe what would happen But we tend to, as human beings, want to prepare for every single contingency. However, when there is an impending something, it really is too late to start trying to prepare for every variable. So at this stage of impending stress, I really encourage you to focus on the things that you, one, are likely going to have to do for sure in addition to these three founding principles. So picture a pyramid. And at that bottom of the pyramid, I want you to put sleep. And in the middle, I want you to put food. And then at the top, I want you to put mindfulness movement. And I'll talk more about that in the in the end. But first and foremost, we need to make sure that we have sleep. Lack of sleep decreases your ability to problem solve, decreases your ability to cope, and even puts you at higher risk for suicidal ideation. So please, please, please try your very best to protect your sleep. So the recommendation obviously is six to seven hours is ideal. My personal minimum that I have for myself and I even share with others is four hours of sleep consecutively at one time. Um, anything less than that is really going to put you at risk. If you are a shift worker and during this like really stressful time or during stressful times, I highly encourage you to, if they're debating whether flipping to 16 hour shifts versus 12 hour shifts, really fight for those 12 hour shifts. Because if you're doing 16 hour shifts and you're doing back to back shifts, you're not going to have enough time to sleep. So if it's possible or you get an option, pick the 12 hours so you have time. 
Next, in that middle of the pyramid, is going to be nutrition or food. Now, I'm not asking anyone who does shift work or has a really busy life, maybe is a single parent, maybe just is busy, to make three meals a day, meal prepped on the weekends, and run into work with all of your glass Tupperware or whatever you do. Not realistic. So in times of higher stress where you're stepping out of what your normal would be, um, or your new normal is in this instance, I highly encourage you to be intentional at least once a day with what you put in your body. So maybe you make one healthy meal for the day and the rest are just snacks on the floor running down to the cafeteria, or maybe when you get home, you have something waiting for you or you've asked help to prepare something, but one thing, and it doesn't even have to be big. It could be like you commit to having an apple a day, right? So, or maybe you're drinking water a day, but you make sure that you add that into your, your life and your schedule, because we got to put premium gas in because we are not just the average Joe, right? We are caregiving for other people. And that is going to require us to be at optimum capacity. And we can't be there if we're just going at the bottom, you know, unleaded, (laughs) So we got to pay for the premium and uh, you don't need to do a lot, but just start with a one intentional something a day. And if you don't know, ask someone who does. So last but not least is this mindfulness movement. Now, to be quite honest, usually I just talk to uh, my patients or my husband and I talk about uh, movement. We don't actually have mindfulness um, in the pyramid, but because it's really important, I think in times of stress to be mindful as well as make sure you're moving your body or ceasing to move your body in a certain way. And I'll explain that in just a second. I, I wanted just to combine those. So just know that normally there's like a overarching mindfulness, but we're combining them. So here's the thing. You are either running around all day or you are barely eating what you need to do or you're barely sleeping and the idea of going to the gym may or may not be something that you can do. I don't usually frame it in the word of exercise because exercise seems to be like this huge task. I really encourage people to just move intentionally, meaning for me, I take the stairs in the afternoon at the garage. Uh, where my parking garage is and I take it up six stories and that is it. That's what I do. Other than sometimes when playing with my kids, I'll do some stretching. My body really enjoys stretching. So I do that mindfully every day. Um, But other than that, you know, my, I don't really have an exercise routine and my body is fairly healthy. I'm not going to run any marathons anytime soon, but that is my mindfulness uh, movement. In addition to that, I also do deep breathing and progressive relaxation in the evening time. And to me, that is physically moving my diaphragm and my lungs and ceasing my body from kind of just like random movement so that I can just intentionally be aware of how my mind and my body are connected to each other. That is going to serve you a lot. So deep breathing, for one, by the way, will keep you from having panic attacks or at least slow them down. Deep breathing is going to help keep you grounded in situations when you're feeling overwhelmed. Progressive relaxation can take you out of your mind and the racing thoughts and the continual attempts to problem solve or worry about your patients and kind of just bring you back to this calming state. The idea is to build it into your life schedule. Make sure that there is time for it. 
set a timer, set a time of day. I know it's right before bed. I actually practice a lot of deep breathing when sitting in traffic because I'm bored. So those are the types of things to kind of think about. Make sure you've planned for them now rather than later, because the idea of all of this is making sure that your thoughts and your feelings and your body are all connected so that you can maintain the best state of mind that you can for yourself and your patients. And you'll be able to continue carrying this burden of being a medical provider. Remember, it's no longer time to plan for all the contingencies, to plan for all of the possibilities. It's time to take care of ourselves well, so that when we need to problem solve, when we need to rise up and meet the need, we have the energy and the ability to use ourself as that solution and to provide that intervention. All of the stuff here today is backed up by research. I'm not asking you or telling you to do anything that's just sounds good. This will make a difference in your body and the behaviors of the things mentioned are what's going to make the biggest difference. Well, not everyone listening is likely a physician. Maybe you're a nurse, a practitioner, a physician's assistant, a respiratory therapist, technician, or even an aide. I think this can all apply to all of us. So as a salute to the title of the podcast, I'm going to leave us today with an excerpt from the Hippocratic Oath. I swear to fulfill to the best of my ability and judgment this covenant. I will respect the hard-won sacrifices and the gains of those whose steps I walk. And I gladly share such knowledge that is mine with those who are to follow. I will remember that there is an art to medicine as well as a science, and that warmth, sympathy, and understanding outweigh a surgeon's knife or a chemist's drug. I will remember that I do not treat a fever or a cancerous growth, but a sick human being whose illness may affect the person's family and economic stability. And my responsibility includes those related problems. There may come a time, most especially, that I must tread with care in matters of life and death. If it is given to me to save a life, there will be things. But it may also be within my power to take a life. And that responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. If I do not violate this oath, May I enjoy a life and art respected. May I always act so as to preserve the finest traditions of my calling, and may I long experience the joy of healing those who seek my help. All right, friends, please join me every week as I walk with you in this journey of caregiving. Bye-bye now.